So, um, yeah, tonight uh, I, I wanted to, uh, we're going we're gonna to have a resurrection celebration, which is what we've been having. And um, I wanted to just stop and pray for a moment because we're going to look in the scriptures. And uh, I'm just thinking right now, Jesus, um, of the scripture um, on the road to Emmaus where you were walking alongside of uh, a few people who um, they were downcast because they came thinking they were, were finding you, but, but through all the commotion uh, and thinking that you were dead and not alive, uh, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do next. And so you came walking alongside of them, and you started to speak truth to them. And it says that you open up the scriptures, you open up the, the, um, the past uh, prophecies about yourself in their midst. And it wasn't until you actually broke bread with them that suddenly their eyes were opened and they saw it was you all the time. It was you all along. And so I'm asking right now, Jesus, would you, would you break bread with us? <laughs> and would you open our eyes again to see who you are? Because we know who you are, but there are also times where our senses, our spiritual senses get a little dulled where uh, life circumstances start to wear us out and we need to see all over again who you are. And so as we just look at a few scriptures tonight, Jesus, open them up. Open them up to our hearts. It's one thing to read them on a piece of paper. It's entirely different when suddenly you enter right into the words themselves and you fill them with the essence of who you are. You change us. Lord, in a moment, over and over again, you change us. You do something. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. This is good. Jesus is here, you know? I want to start with the book of Acts. I'm going to read a few scriptures to you. And mostly what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to let the scriptures preach to us. You know, I'm going to accentuate a few words, but mostly it's the scriptures themselves. Uh, the book of Acts, we've been reading through the book of Acts. And so I thought it'd be really good to start there. Because once again, in, in the second chapter, the spirit was poured out. Tongues of fire, just, you know, winds blowing. And the spirit of God falls and enters and, um, and uh, all, all kinds of amazing things are going on. Uh, people are hearing the gospel in their own language because people are beginning to speak in tongues. Just really amazing, amazing, astounding. And then Peter gets up and starts to explain what, what this is. Last week, Russ talked about um, the prophecy from Joel. And, um, and uh, I'm going to read to you two different parts of Peter's message to the people because he's explaining what's going on. So he's, re- he's telling them, not only is this the Holy Spirit that was promised, but this is the Messiah, the Jesus that God said would come. This is, this is the one. And so, so Peter, as he's standing up and talking to the crowds, he's saying, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know, because they all, many of them saw the miracles. He's saying, This is the one. 
This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then after Peter, he quotes from Psalm 16. He's quoting King David, long before Jesus came to the earth, quoting that, and then, and then goes on to say, I'm, he goes on to say, seeing what was to come, See, he's talking about David. David, in that psalm, spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. But God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So Peter is saying, yes, this is the spirit that just fell. We all saw this. And it came from Jesus, who the Father sent. And everything is because this was the Father's heart. Always been the Father's heart. Wow. So here's another scripture. This is in 1 Corinthians 15. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. This did happen. When you, when you were, uh, the dancers were up here. Once again, I mean, my spirit was just felled up. And I, w- and I was saying to myself, this happened. This all happened. We know it did, but sometimes when you read it so often, it just becomes a story. But it's not just a story. This all really happened. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That means that we're all going to follow him, being raised. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. All-encompassing. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. How many all passages there are in Scripture? Makes us a little uncomfortable sometimes because we don't always know what to do with that. What, I, what we're saying is that the, this, that Christ's sacrifice was enough for all. The Father wants all of his kids back home. All. Therefore, he left nothing to chance. He said, I'm going to do everything so that I can have every single one of my children back with me. And, of course, love always requires a choice. He also wired us with free will. But all has been done. In other words, our gospel has to be, our good news has to be really good news. Jesus has done it all. Everyone is accepted. Everyone has been forgiven. That's what scripture tells us. Everyone's been forgiven. Do you want relationship with this one who has forgiven you, who holds nothing against you? That's our choice. Here's a little bit later, 1 Corinthians 15. And when that which is mortal puts on immortality... And what now decays is exchanged for what will never decay. Then the scripture will be fulfilled that says death is swallowed up by a triumphant victory. So death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me, death, where is your sting? 
It is sin that gives death its sting, and it's the law that gives sin its power. I'm going to stop there before going on because this is such a key verse, and it's kind of hard to understand, but it makes so much sense when you break it down. It's sin that gives death its sting. It's the law that gives sin its power. Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law. I have come to fulfill it. So that means he wasn't saying, don't need to worry about the law. He says, I will keep the law perfectly for you, which he did. Once the law was fulfilled, now sin has nothing to, to bring you down with. Because that's, that's, sin, sin uses, uh, you haven't kept the law as, as uh, you know, shame over you. To try to hold you down, to keep you in your place. Jesus says, I have fulfilled that for you. So now sin no longer has its bite anymore. And you can read in Romans 6 if you're wondering more about that. Read Romans 6. I'm just going to leave it there. Romans 6 explains a whole lot. So once, because sin, because Jesus kept the law, sin has no more power over us. And it's sin that gives death its sting. So now that sin has no more power, nor does death. Nor does death. Death, death, was, death also was looming over us, meaning, meaning, meaning uh, that we won't be with God, that, that because of the things that we've done that would separate us. But see, Jesus took care of all of that for us. All of it. So death no longer... In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 11, he said to each one of us in this room, this is a direct quote from Jesus, you will not die. That's what he said. I'm just getting super direct with you because it makes you think. That was a direct quote from Jesus. What did he mean? He means he took care of death for you. And so the very thing that we think is death will never actually happen. We go from life into more life. We go from a shadow into the real thing. This is what he's done. This is what he told us. He said, if you, he did say, if you believe, that there's always that criteria. Believe. It's that simple. There's another place in the book of John where it says, where people asked him, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? I mean, I misquoted that. What must I do to do the works of God? What is required? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this. Believe in the one he has sent. That's it. That's it. So we're going to go there in a minute. We're going to read a few more scriptures and go there in a minute. So verse 57 right there. But we thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So now, beloved ones, stand firm and secure. Because you know these things are true, what I just spoke. Stand firm and secure. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. Isn't that amazing? Every season. Do you know what that means? That means even the seasons like Domily just so vulnerably shared with us, the ones where it seems like things are not going the way you'd want them to go. He says in every season. In every season, you prosper and excel. How is that possible? Because of Christ in you, because of what he is doing, because he's finishing the work he started in you. 
That means everything you go through, even the hard, sometimes especially the hard stuff, it changes you. He's changing you from the inside out. His spirit in you so that you prosper and you're productive and you're, you're fruitful. Assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive. What does that mean? It means you and Jesus are one. Can you just say that? I am one with Jesus. It's true. He's not somewhere. You, he is somewhere. And <laughs> he's everywhere. But he's one with you. Christ in me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm watching some people react to this. This is good news. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's in you. One. No separation ever. Ever. Here's another one. <laughs> Colossians 2, 11 to 14. Through our union, because we're one with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. Okay, something is being cut away. What is that? All of the guilt and the power of sin has, has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. Amazing. Amazing. For we have been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. And by the way, before I go on, two weeks from tonight, we're having baptisms. It is super important. Right behind that screen, there's a baptismal right there. It is super important that you're baptized as a believer of Jesus, as one who says, this is the Son of God. I am one with him. It's super important. Why? Here's one of the scriptures that's explaining why it's so important. Because you, you literally are identifying with him that as he died, so did you. So did your old life. It's gone. Your new life, your resurrected life is the only one there is. So please, if you've not been baptized, please let us know. Um, and and we, we would like you to be baptized in two weeks, okay? Verse 13, this realm of death, so this baptismal realm of death, describes our former state. Can you say former state? That just means it's not your state any longer. I just want to make sure you understand this. Former state. For we were held in sin's grasp. Do you see how everything is past tense? The before and after is very pronounced in scripture. We were held in sin's grasp, but now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return, for we are forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins. Don't be misled that if you believe Jesus, if you follow him, and then you make a choice, you make a choice that's not healthy for you or the people around you, what, I'm, what the Bible calls sin, things that hurt you. Don't make the mistake of thinking that because of that you're not in Christ. It's not true. It's not what Scripture's talking about. It's why Paul says when those things happen, he says, don't go back to, um, oh, what's the phrase? Just escaped me. Oh, well, I'm going to come back to it. I'll come back to it. Paul Paul's basically saying that that is behavior 
your old nature behavior. It's old, it's old um, patterns and lies and ways that you, things that you did to try to get out of pain that have nothing to do with Jesus. But he's saying, that's still not you. Do you see the difference? The enemy wants to come in and say, oh, look, look, this is who you still are. You haven't changed. Oh, yes, you've changed from the inside out. And the Spirit of God lives in you, which means you're constantly, constantly being renewed. Always, always. You're a different person. The old you is not here anymore. And the last part of this says, he has canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us he erased it all our sins (laughs) our stained soul he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Man, are we the most blessed people in the cosmos or what? We have to believe it. That's, that's where the joy comes from. That's where the peace comes from. You know, and so often we get caught up in our circumstances and the things that aren't going so well. And we think, you know, what's wrong? And we're forgetting all of this. We're forgetting everything that we are. And in the midst of that, when we start to remember who we are, who Jesus is, what he's done for us, the joy returns. And I'm telling you, it gives you an entirely different perspective on the very same things you're going through. It does. And God is still working all things out for your good. And your story's not done yet. He's... He's beyond really good. (laughs) Really good is an understatement. He's brilliant in how he turns everything for your good. And one one more scripture before we're going to hear a a story. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, past tense, he united us, there it is again, into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up. With Christ, do you notice that it's past tense? He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Yay! Yay! I love that you love good news. I love good news too. Can we just say that last sentence together? For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. We're going to say it again like you really mean it. And we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Amen. Now, how can we know? Let's just be real for a minute. Other than that, we're all really excited, which I am too, because that's what truth does, actually. It sets you free. There's a scripture about that. But um, (laughs) he did. How can we know it's true? Right? How can you know it's true? And and honestly, there's there's a lot of ways you can know it's true. But I'm just going to say this. To me, the overwhelming uh, way that, that, that surpasses any other is a changed life. Over and over and over and over and over and over again. 
And this is why we like to share testimonies. I'm going to have someone come up in just a minute to share her testimony. But I want to tell you why we do this. It's so that we remember. Sometimes we forget. We forget what we've come from. But also, I want to tell you that a testimony doesn't just mean I was this, I crossed over this threshold, and then ever since then, everything's been perfect in my life, and I've never once made a mistake. (laughs) That is nobody's story, by the way. Nobody's story. We not only, Jesus not only saved us in a moment, he saves us every day of our lives. We need him, we need him, we need him. So I just, as you're hearing this testimony, I do want you to be excited about what Jesus did for one person, but I want you to be remembering, what did he do for you? Because he has changed you. So um, I would like Marilyn Gaw to come up and share her testimony. Do you want this? Thank you. Thank you. My goodness, that was so good, Brent, <laughs> what you were sharing. Um, uh, in First Peter 2, it says, he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So I'm just going to share my story. Um, um, the story gets darker and darker, but then the light comes. So there's good news at the end. Um, I, I was born again 26 years ago. Yay, Jesus. And um, so I'm going to start when... I'm going to start um, when I was in my 20s. I graduated from nursing school. I had a little bit of a dilemma back then because um, a lot of places weren't hiring brand new nurses. So I, I was having a difficulty. I was having difficulty finding a job. But then I went into crisis. And the crisis um, basically was that my father was diagnosed with cancer. He was given six months to live. And um, my marriage was kind of shaky. It was rocky. Um, some time went by, and uh, my dad passed away. Um, my marriage broke up, and I started using drugs to kind of to deal with the pain. Just lots of pain, lots of pain. Um, I just got deeper and deeper into drug use. I um, had to finance it, so I started selling drugs. So I became this drug dealer as well. And... Um, and then I started dating somebody that was a drug dealer, and he, um, he was somebody that carried guns. He had, like, an array of firearms, and somehow he talked me into carrying a gun, so I started carrying a gun. Um, I started doing these connections back and forth, just flying back and forth to and from San Diego. That's where I was picking up my drugs, and that was back before um, 9-11, and so... You could check in your firearms with your checked luggage, and just yeah, back then you could. <laughs> and so that's what I did. And um, <laughs> on one particular occasion, though, I um, was going to meet a new connection, and um, the person that was going to be introducing me, um, I did not know, of course, that he was setting me up, and they were basically setting me up to rob me um, of the money, and. Um, and so we were, we were outside, and we were walking up to a house, and something just didn't feel right to me. And when it didn't feel right, I thought, mm, I'm just going to go ahead and put my hand in my purse where my gun is. And my gun was loaded. I just had to take the safety off if I needed it. And sure enough, the guy turned around, and he pulled a knife on me. Yeah, and he was trying to rob me. 
And um, so I was just trying to keep the knife away from me, pulled my gun out, and I didn't even know where the gun was pointed, except I knew it wasn't touching me, it was touching him, and I shot him. It was in self-defense, but I shot him. Um, So um, I end up leaving the scene, but the police end up catching up to me, and I was arrested, my first arrest. Um, I bailed out. I told my story at the time. They told their story. Um, I went home, and I was just waiting to be arraigned to come back to, for court. I'd have to fly back down to San Diego for that. But um, I ended up getting a letter in the mail, and the letter said that they were dropping the charges because my story um, collaborated with what they found as far as evidence. Um, I kept using, and I just kept going down a road that I didn't want to go down or that was just dark. It wasn't a road I intended to go down, but I did just keep using and um, got arrested the second time. That second time I was arrested, it was for possession, for sale of a, a controlled substance. So at that time... I, and I bailed out, I was out free again, and got this high-powered attorney who pretty much just got me off on it. I mean, I, I, did, I was on probation, I had to do community service, and pay some fines, and that was it. But I didn't learn my lesson, and, and I, I say that because it's like something should have dawned on me, hey, look at what's happening to your life. And yet, it was just, I was just deceived in a really big way. So, doing my thing, using drugs, selling drugs, and I get caught again, third arrest. Um, I don't think they're going to let me out because I should have been on a probation hold, but there was some kind of glitch in their system. They didn't know I was on probation. And, um, by the way, if you ever get arrested and you're not arraigned within 48 hours of your arrest, they're holding you in jail, you can demand to be let out because you have to see a judge within 48 hours. (laughs) Just (laughs) FYI. (laughs) Just saying. Um, I was not seen in 48 hours, and I asked to be let out, and they let me out. (laughs) But I did not learn my lesson. Um, I still continue to use, and I got arrested again. Fourth time. (laughs) Well, I knew that they weren't going to let me out this time. I knew that I would probably not see freedom for a lot of years. And... um, So I'm finally stuck. I'm just stuck. Um, My case didn't look like it was going very well. My probation officer recommended 10 years in prison. And I was coming down off drugs. I probably slept that first month while I was in the county jail. My cellmate, she just kept inviting me to church and inviting me to church. And I kept telling her, absolutely not. I am not going to church. (laughs) 
But after about that month, I start waking up. It's almost like I came out of this stupor that I had been in for so many years. And, um, and I said, what have I done with myself? It's almost like I didn't even know what I had done. And I had been living like this for many years. And, I, and then I, you know, I started going downhill like depression started hitting me because I knew I was just stuck for a long time. Um, I get invited to Bible study again, <laughs> and I go. I finally go. And Mary Harmon, she was the lady that was um, leading the Bible study, just sweet lady who I'm still in contact with. Um, she, she, just the sweetest little mama, I'll tell you. But she, um, that day, anybody that's new, she gives them a New Testament. She gave me a New Testament. I took it back, and I read it. And um, she, comes, she came every week, and so I read it within that week. And the, just the stories about Jesus, they were warming my heart, and they were comforting me in a way that I didn't really understand. I didn't know why. I just knew I loved those stories, and I was having a little bit of this peace because I was disturbed at the fact that I was going to be in prison for a long time and just all of that. So um, so I go back the next week to the Bible study, and I'm sitting in the Bible study, and, and I have this urge, just like this strong urge to tell Mary that I want to follow Jesus. Now, I, I don't even know why I want to tell her. I didn't have that urge like 10 minutes earlier. I just wanted to tell her. And so I raise my hand. She calls on me. I tell her, I want to follow Jesus, but I could barely get the words out. I'm so overcome with emotion. But I finally got it out, and, and I felt like that was my conversion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yay, Jesus. <laughs> um, and after that, I continued to go to court, and the court case began to shift which is quite interesting. Um, I did get a new attorney, um, but things just began to shift, and my attorney began to introduce this idea of a suspended sentence and sending me to a prison for drug addicts. I didn't qualify, though, because I was a drug dealer. That puts you on a different... You're on a different level. Um, But the judge was gracious, and he granted me that... um, that prison, to be able to go to that prison. So I get there, and um, the amazing part is um, there's just, it's like the perfect place for me. There were so many gifted ministries that came in, and I worked a job for eight hours a day, five days a week. I went to Bible study or church service in the evenings. On the weekends when I was off from work, there was, it was like conference time. There was services in the morning, afternoon, and evening, and I just inundated myself with all of that. Um, I know that, um, like, Women's Aglow came in. They were so... I love that they taught about tithing because I felt like they had nothing to gain from it because no one could tithe in prison. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right? (laughs) But they taught on that, and it taught me something of the truth of the Bible, right? Um, They also uh, sewed into my life as far as, like, there was a teaching on speaking in tongues, and I received my prayer language while I was there as well. Yeah. It was awesome. Awesome. There was this other couple that used to come in, 
And they carried the presence of God. Like, they really carried the presence. Whenever the wife would preach, though, I would just shake under the power of the Holy Spirit. But I didn't know what that was. I just know I'm shaking, and it feels so good, whatever it is. <laughs> and then um, Anaheim Vineyard, they were a ministry that used to come in, too. And that was just off-the-chart worship. <laughs> so they were the ones that gave me the address to North Bay Vineyard. Because they asked me, well, where are you going to be going back to when you leave? And I told them, and they had an uh, address for me to go there. Um, the, the, oh, I also heard a salvation message while I was there. Um, the first salvation message I heard, I thought, hey, I never said that prayer, the sinner's prayer. <laughs> okay, maybe that's something I need to do. Well, you know, years later, I realized that was not the time I got born again. It was when I was in that Bible study and I said I wanted to follow Jesus. <laughs> what did you say earlier? You said, believe in the one that he sent. Yes, that's all you have to do, really. <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, one of the disturbing things, though, for me when I was in prison is all the sisters that I walked with, not all, but most, um, what, they would be released to go home and... They would be back in a month or two. And I'd be, what happened? And, and they would say, well, the devil got me. I got into temptation. You know, and it made me just really, I think I said a vow. Because I remember saying, I don't ever want to come back here. <laughs> I don't ever want to be incarcerated again. The only way I'd come back is if I was doing ministry. <laughs> I don't want to come back to this place. Um, so anyways, I finally get released from prison. Um, and that boyfriend, who is now my fiancé, he picks me up from the airport. Um, We drop my belongings off at home. We go to, like, a party. It's one of our friends' house. They were having a get-together, and um, one of my friends, um, she comes out from the back room. She's holding this big bowl of meth, and she's, like, presenting it to me. Like, that's my reward, you know, from being at prison, And I look at my boyfriend, my fiancé, and I say, take me home. Like, I just got released earlier that day from prison. I said, I I don't want nothing to do with this. Just take me home. And um, so he did. Um, That first week out of prison, I started going to North Bay Vineyard, and that was my church for the next 12 years. Um, I, I I was in a home group. I was in went to church every week. I did Bible study. I mean, I just had a gracious mom who let me heal from life itself, and she just supported me while I did that for a time. Um, My first big crisis, though, as a believer, and they told us, all the ministries that came in told us, hey, you're going to find yourself in a crisis, and you're going to need to have some connection. You're going to need to have some support, and I found myself in this crisis with my fiancé. Um, we separated. We were going our separate ways. He went back to using. In fact, um, even after that, he was in and out of prison for the next 20 years. Um, but we were parting our ways, and um, it, was, it was just a heartbreaking time for me, very painful. Um, it wasn't just that, though. A lot of other pain was coming up in me. Like, I didn't fully at that time grieve my dad's death, all of that was just starting to come up in me. And one night, I just felt so overwhelmed with this pain and this grief. And 
I just felt like I couldn't really handle it. And, um, and I was so torn, but I decided that I was going to go out and just use because that was the only way I knew how to get rid of that pain in my heart. And I had done that for so many years, and it worked, kind of. Um, so, so that particular night, um, I got ready, got dressed, jacket on, purse in hand. But I was torn because this new Savior that I had, I didn't want to disappoint him, and yet I didn't really know how to deal with the, with the pain. And so I'm getting ready to leave, but then I think I just kind of owe him an explanation. So, <laughs> so, um, so I say something like this to him. I say, I am so broken. I feel like I'm in so much pain and I really just don't even know what to do. And I'm so sorry. I'm going to go out and do this. I'm, I just, I know I'm going to break your heart. And I feel so bad about that. And, and even as I'm saying these words to him, this wave washes over me. <laughs> this wave of comfort washes over me. And I'm going, ooh, what, what's that? <laughs> and then another wave comes. And I put my purse down. And another wave comes. <laughs> and I just end up laying on the floor and just waves of love and mercy Waves of comfort and peace. I mean, it just washes over me. And for hours, I never left the house that night because God apprehended me. And there's this scripture in the Bible. Um, I think it's in like 1 Corinthians 10. It says that he, that no temptation is too great for you, that he will, he will make a way for you, a way of escape. And I felt like that is what happened in this time in my life. He made a way of escape, but I didn't know that that was going to happen to me. I didn't know God could actually do that. I didn't have enough knowledge of him, enough experience. I mean, you read the scriptures, but when it's actually manifesting, you're like, well, who are you? Like, who who are you? I don't really know this about you. And um, it, it really just did something really powerful for me in my Christian walk, because that's I think that's where Holy Spirit became so real to me. Like he sticks closer to you than a brother. He is just right there for you when you need him. And, um, and, it, and it put me in a pursuit. Like I, I began to pursue the Lord for his for encounter because I had that encounter. And I thought, wow, if I could have it now like that, then I just want this all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, so just a couple more things. I want to just explain what happened with the nursing part. So here I am. I'm trying to get a job and because um, my mom's like, well, you know, after three years, she goes, don't you think it's time to get a job? <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so I start putting in all these applications. The doors are closed. And I'm thinking, gosh, I can't even get a cashier's job, you know, and I have a degree and I can't get a cashier's job. So um, nobody would call me, no anything. Doors closed and I'm at home group one night and I'm asking all the people at home group, please pray for a job for me. I really need a job. And um, my friend Candy, Candy, she, (laughs) 
she has a word, and she gives me this word. She said, I really feel like you need to go back to nursing. And um, my nursing career never really kicked off, though, anyways. But she said, I really feel like you're supposed to go back to nursing. And I said, I can't. Uh, that last time I was before a judge, he told me that I couldn't go back to nursing. You know, I just said, I couldn't. So almost like threw the word out because I just didn't think that that was an option. And then after a little while of continuing to try to press into getting a job and not, it not working out, I was, just, um, I was just crying one day to God, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I, I need to get a job. Nothing's opening for me. Um, and I, I heard the Holy Spirit say, nursing. <laughs> I get on the phone. I start making some phone calls. Um, to get things figured out. And I have now been practicing nursing for the last 22 years. <laughs> so just in closing, I just want to say that um, it, it's just been an incredible ride with God. Like, it, it really has. Um, but Jesus, I mean, I'm just so blessed to actually be share, sharing this on Resurrection Weekend. He really did it all. Like, he did it all. And so I, I just want to celebrate just all that he's done, what he's doing, what he's going to do, because there is just so much more. There's so much more. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to just pray. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done and how, God, you do really stick closer to us than a brother. You really are right there whenever we need you, whatever it is. God, you need, we need you to be. That's who you are. God, I'm asking that you would open our hearts in a way to help us to see more. God, I pray that in each one of our circumstances right now, you would be who we need you to be. God, that if, uh, I just, like, I'm sorry, I'm just going to stop for a minute. And just remembering when we were back there in intercession, um, I felt like God said, this might apply to certain people, but I feel like people are trying to figure some things out. Like, they can't figure out some of their circumstances, what's going on, what to do. And I felt like God said, he has got it. He has got it. He is working it out. And you don't have to figure it out because he has it figured out. So I just bless anyone that that was a word for. I thank you, Jesus, that that is freeing to know that you have it figured out, that you know every one of our circumstances. Well, you know every one of our hairs on our head. And so you know every one of our circumstances and what needs to happen. And you are about promise and you are about working things together for good. And so we celebrate you, God. I just pray just a spirit of celebration in what you did, Lord, on the cross, what you did for us, Lord. And, and I just declare healing tonight. I declare freedom tonight, God. I declare, God, your glory over us. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
knows that applause was for she and Jesus as one. Oh my goodness, so good. This is how we know it's true. I mean, really, this is how we know it's true. Like, if Jesus was just a good idea, you know, like, Marilyn isn't going to stay clean for a couple decades, <laughs> you know, and not, and not have this little talk with Jesus and waves of his spirit come washing over her. It's not a good idea. He, he's real. This is all real. This is, this is what we're, he is the reason we're alive, and our life is in him, and there is no other life. Now, not everybody knows that, and we can love people where they are. I, I did want to encourage you. I don't know why I was thinking about this a minute ago, but when you're with other people, don't try to argue them into the kingdom. Share your story. But even more than that, listen to theirs. That's the thing we keep forgetting to do. Is because, honestly, one of the reasons we judge people is because we don't know their stories. And the more, I find the more I learn someone's story, I get it. I get why the pain. I get why the choices. I get why. I, I'm like, oh, just let's just love them. Listen to their story. Share ours. And if that happens to spark something in them that wants the same thing, well, now we have a different kind of discussion. So anyway, um, we're uh, oh, the worship team can come up. I'm going to share a, a, just another minute or two, but come on up. We're going to go into... Uh, into something, but I wanted to. Wanted share scripture. Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. <laughs> This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. So what we've, that's what we heard from Marilyn, was we heard the story of the old into the new. And again, Marilyn would be the first to tell you, as would I, that it's always a, a process, always. Um, and, but this is, this is our new self. And for me, I'm not going to get into my story tonight, but I just want to share. We all, we all have our own stories. We all have our own um, I will say it this way, terrible mistakes. Every single person in this room, uh, all of us, there's, that, that's, that's why we all need a Savior. So for me, I actually received Jesus when I was in junior high, about seventh grade. And when it happened, and my, I had a camp counselor that, that, that told me about Jesus, and when I said yes to him, I, I really felt something happening in my, my chest. I mean, there was a warmth, there was something, and I'm like, whoa, just kind of... A little bit of euphoria, even as a junior higher. And, um, but I made, I, I, there were times when I really remembered that. There were other times when I really forgot all that and made a lot of really bad choices. And, and then it wasn't until my second, third year of college is when I was reacquainted with who Jesus really was. And, and uh, when, I, when I was at a retreat with a bunch of college students, um, every, everything kind of came back around and I realized this is all real. And I, and I really began to live my life for him again. And, and of course, I want to say this. We, it's, even though I mentioned two points in my life, I could, I could list a thousand points in my life. When I, when I, say, when I uh, say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, you're my Savior. Jesus, I forgot who I am. I'm just telling you all this so that we don't have this image, this, this imagining that somehow... We believe in Jesus and we never struggle um, or there's never any you know, conflict or that's just not true. 
But man, is he real. And he keeps changing things and he keeps touching you and he keeps helping you to see who you are. So we're in a moment, you're going to hear this um, a song. I'm going to get to my notes here. Uh, Living Hope is the, is the song. And uh, I want to read to you a line from it. There's a verse 2 says, who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such a boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Now listen to this line. Beautiful Savior, I am yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. I wanted to read that because you have always belonged to Jesus. You've always belonged to the Father. You were, you were the choice of the Father, of Jesus, of Holy Spirit, before the foundation of the earth. You've always been their choice. This line says, I'm yours forever. It's the same thing that Marilyn got out of her lips saying, I want to follow Jesus. See, he's going he's to pursue you every day of your life. There's not going to be a day when he doesn't pursue you and every person on this planet because he loves his kids. He's got to have his kids with him. But I'm just saying it's really important with the free will that he's given you that you express it. I want you, Jesus. I want to follow you. And as I said before, that's it. It's, it's believing Jesus. I want to read from Romans 10. It says, It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. That's it. Jesus, you're the Lord. Jesus, you're Lord. He says, declare it with your mouth. There's something about speaking what is true. Jesus, you're Lord. And you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. Why would he say that instead of something else? Why the resurrection? Because Jesus already said he's the first fruits. He's like, simply believe that what happened, happened. I was dead. I was in a tomb. The life of God in me broke me out of that. I took sin with me down to the tomb. I took everything that would ever get in the way between you And what you are longing for, I took that down into the tomb with me. I am alive. You believe that. You believe I'm alive. You come to life with me. That's it. That's it. So whether if you've never made that decision or if you're me like in college and I'm like, wow, I I knew Jesus was real, but I forgot. Jesus, I'm coming back. I want to follow you. He's never left you. He's never left you. But there are times when we have to say again, Jesus, you're the one I follow. I'm going to be yours forever. So I want to encourage you. This is a song where we're actually wanting you just to, just to reflect and spend time with the Lord. Talk to him. And if you need to, you can come on up here. You can kneel, whatever you want to do. Just take some time with the Lord and tell him what's on your heart.